Welcome, everyone, to the WKIF Wrestling Network. My name is Max. I am a lifelong wrestling fan. Usually we bring on somebody who does not watch wrestling, and we watch wrestling with them. But this week we do not have an Art Donovan, and we'll get to that in a moment. But first, let me introduce the man of the hour, the man of the power, too. Sweet to be sour, former GWF announcer Craig Johnson. How you doing, Craig? Hi. Hi. <laughs> I always love your big introductions. I, I always yep. don't feel like I can live up to them. So. <laughs> Hi. And I will introduce our guest from Cleveland, Ohio. A personal friend of Scotty Goldman because he has him in his phone. It's the one, the only, the voice of AIW. It's Steve Guy! Hello, everybody. What you a, never get introduced like that, do you? You're always introducing everybody else. Like I, I don't get introduced at all. So, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, yeah, it's very different for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. We actually have another Smark this week. This is our first, uh, you know, like I said, our first not Art Donovan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we went a little deep this week, and we're talking about CWF Battle of the Belts 3, which Three. is available on YouTube. Um, CWF was championship wrestling from Florida. It was an NWA territory, um, and this show features, among other things, the NWA championship being defended by Ric Flair. And this is from 86. I don't September I the 1st, 1986. 86, thank you. All right, yeah, and it starts out, the YouTube uh, <clears throat> clip uh, begins right in the middle of the introduction, and it just says Flair versus Luger on the screen, and then <laughs> the thing begins. Um, <laughs> we are live from the Ocean Center in Daytona Beach, and they're playing The Boys Are Back in Town. Um, yes! <laughs> which is just great. <laughs> And the Freebirds are nowhere to be seen. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we're being hosted by Gordon Soli and... <laughs> brother indeed. And Stan Rhodes, who I had never heard of before I watched this. Stan Rhodes was the announcer for the strangely named U.S. Class Championship Wrestling. Okay. I guess they watched the Von Erickson said, what could be... Almost as good as world class. Let's try U.S. class US. wrestling. <laughs> Stan, Stan Rhodes, to me, as you go and watch this thing, I don't know if you guys watch the NBA very much, but when Chris Mullen is like the color commentator, yes. Yes. Like, he's, he's insightful, but you're like, uh, could you have said that in a more exciting manner? Like, right. <laughs> Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yes, he's just. And of course, we have to point out Stan Rhodes, no relation. No relation. To Death Day. Okay, the show's begun because we got our dusty impression in. Yeah. <laughs> Baby, laughing and color he wheel. All right. And, and, and speaking of the show, the being show already just starts. Underway. It starts in the middle, toward the end of a match. Yeah, not even the middle. I wouldn't no. even call it the middle. Right. <laughs> Uh, between the Cuban assassin and Tyree Pride? Yeah. A Two sweet, guys I'd never heard of. Sweet skinning of the cat by Tyree Pride, and uh, <laughs> that's pretty much what we get out of them. Yeah. <laughs> right into the finish. Um. Tyree Pride was, uh, for a long time, the 
the Bahamas champion for uh, the CWF, uh, right. and the Cuban assassin was Dave Sierra, wasn't it? Okay. Wh- who went sure. on to went on to uh, the uh, WWF as uh, Savio Vega? Oh, okay, okay. Was that him? That was yep. Savio there. I believe so. Well, you know, the thing is, we didn't see him for very long, so I couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, we think this guy's it. All, all I could um, think of was while, when this was happening, you know, so here in Cleveland at AIW, we have a wrestling school. And as guys try to come up with their finishers, I just started laughing when this match happened. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to tell a kid to come up with Skin the Cat as his finisher. <laughs> because that's, that's what happened here. Yeah. <laughs> Good, a good old schoolboy roll-up. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm actually looking it up at cagematch.net, the internet wrestling database. Um, I'm not seeing Savio Vega, but I am seeing Dave Sierra under his name. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, most of his gimmicks were Cuban over the years. He was also Fidel Sierra, Fidel Cubano, El Cubano, um, El Bariqua, which I guess would be more Puerto Rican. That's, um, that's definitely Savio. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, I'd, I'd never heard of either of these guys. Um, can't really say anything about this match because we didn't really watch the match. <laughs> um, and then we get the, uh, the GI Joe graphics promoting that the tag team championships are up next. Um, which is the fabulous ones who come out to the ring to in excess is what you need, which I thought was weird. Um, and they're <laughs> all, taking on... all, all of the ring music was weird. Yeah. And they're taking on the sheep herders as the sheep herders. Oh, no, that's not... <laughs> the sheep. I like the fact that <laughs> they don't even name the sheep herders. No, right. the ring, and here sheep herder too is now into the ring. <laughs> These guys are WWE Hall of Famers. Yeah. In 1986, they're just Sheep Herder 1 and Sheep Herder 2. And, and this was actually the second version of the Sheep Herders because the first one featured Jonathan Boyd, who was quite the heel in uh, Portland along with Roddy Piper for, and Scotty, for that matter, for a long okay. time. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, this was the, the Luke and Butch, but, uh, numbers one and two and, and by golly, don't the ladies love Stan Lane? Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> they really do. And the referee was Fonzie Daddy. There, we got my Bill Alfonso impression out too. So now the show is truly underway. <laughs> love, now, love Fonzie. All I can picture is his voice as he's talking to these guys, because <laughs> I, is this what you were going to say? Mr. Craig Johnson, is that I that I know Fonzie? Were you going to point that out? No, Sorry. no. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, but you, uh, wait a minute. That was that name drop right there. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I just, I just, hi, hi, name drop right there. <laughs> I just, I'm just watching this, and I had, I had a text to it. I'm like, oh my god, all I can picture in my mind is just him in the ring immediately, be like, hi, daddy, that's one, two, three. Hey, hey, all right, four count, daddy, daddy, come on now. And I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> So one thing I want to, because we, we are speaking with a ring announcer here right. uh, in Steve Guy, and the, didn't it sound, I don't know the name of this ring announcer, although I do know it because he was also the timekeeper. We were told he was the timekeeper. Right. I have his name later. But didn't it, sound, didn't it feel like the ring announcer was being handed post-its while he was yes. doing the announcing? Yes. Yeah, like he would start. 
and then he would stop and then right. start again. And, yeah, and it was like it was very confusing. It's like he started to talk about who was coming to the ring, and then he suddenly realized that there were people already in the ring, and maybe he should say their names. Yes. Yes. And, but then he was like, oh, wait, but I already started the names of the people on their way to the ring, so maybe let me just continue that. Yeah, it was, it was sloppy at best. But still, still, this guy, miles ahead of Steve Rossi. Oh, yeah. Let's just well, say that, shall we? Steve, call back uh, to a couple of weeks Steve, ago Do you there? know who Steve Rossi is? I do not. Steve Rossi was the ring announcer of the UWF Blackjack Brawl. Oh my God. <laughs> Quite possibly the worst wrestling show of all time. We're just going to say it is. And uh, Steve Rossi was the comedy uh, partner with none other than Marty Allen. The best we can figure is because that Blackjack Brawl show was in Vegas. They just found a comedian who was working Vegas that weekend and paid him a couple hundred bucks to come and announce for a wrestling show. Um, and yeah, he is. Oof. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll drop a Steve Rossi in in this show somewhere, and you'll know okay. exactly where it will be when I do it. So, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, this guy like the whole thing felt like the whole. It felt like they had, they, they weren't really understanding what time they were supposed to be on television. Um, <laughs> like I forget what that's called, where like you you make the show fit, you know, before commercial breaks and stuff like that. They didn't have the format right. down. Yeah, the format. Thank you. Because like, like Steve was saying, you know, there are people already in the ring. I'm guessing they probably already announced them, realized they had gone to commercial. And then when they came back from commercial, you know, introduced the fabulous ones and then go, oh, wait, there's somebody in the ring. Um, we, the TV audience doesn't know who that is. And, and again, speaking of format, we, we actually glossed over the situation that there's special dispensation from the promoter's that the Florida title match will be last on the card. Now, please remember this. The Florida title match will be last on the card. Right. Right. Special in case you're wonder, In promoters. case you're wondering why that means something, stay tuned, stay won't tuned. you? Stay <laughs> tuned. Um. Oh, my gosh. This, this, this whole match, too, like, it's weird because as people break down matches now yeah. here in 2020 and they talk about, like, modern matches – yeah, people get angry about. There's always the argument of, oh well, this heel baby face, but the lines being blurred. And you watch this tag team match, and the lines are blurred the entire time in oh, 1986. Yeah. Yeah. Because the like, which is fun to me because, you know, the announcers are, are sitting here doing commentary. Old old Gordy's being like, oh the the sheep herders are really big cheaters. And yeah. for the first five minutes, all you do is see the fabulous ones cheat. Yes. <laughs> the sheep herders follow the rules. So you're like, uh, all right, I imagine this comes into play at some point, but so far it seems pretty slick to me. But yeah. it's, it's like the comparison I can give if people watch modern wrestling is um, it would be like like how the New Day has a match now. You, you right. love them and you're on their side. And they, but they do some tactics, and you're like, oh, okay. Or like when, when, um, when Eddie and Chavo were right when they were attacked, right. cheat to win, right. right? And that was the whole gimmick was that they would cheat all the time. But it was a babyface gimmick, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of what was going on here. Like the whole, or uh, you know, I mean, even even the Usos 
when they were yeah. baby faces, they didn't mm-hmm. pull the bait and switch that the fabulous ones did. <laughs> that's true. They didn't do that right. until they were heels. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's true. There's a thing, right? At, at some point, Stan is the legal man, and they switch him out with Steve. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Behind, the, uh, they do the, the, the clap behind uh, Fonzie's yeah. back. Poor Fonzie, man. He's getting yeah. put through the ringer here. And, um, uh, five, and, min- five minutes. Five also, minutes. The, the ring looked put together very shakily. I was mm-hmm. I, I kept expecting it to fall apart. Those ropes looked <laughs> loose. Um. The reason I said five minutes is because uh, Gordon Sully was creeper. happy to say, I think we heard the ring announcer. Yes. <laughs> and then the color guy goes, I'm here. <laughs> From out of nowhere. <laughs> hey, I'm here. Okay, I'm good. Here. <laughs> Um, well, they wind up, they do, but the sheep herders do wind up being the ultimate heels because they attack the fabulous ones with the New Zealand flag. Where did the um, flag come from? I didn't that, see it anywhere. Yeah, yeah they, they the, had it at the beginning yeah. of the oh, match. Okay. Yeah, well, they like, clueless. it's kind yeah. of an old school thing. They rolled it up and like put it uh, down next to the ring post there. Yeah, they were, um, they were waving it as they were standing in the ring. Oh, okay. I just ring, missed it. That's what made the ring announcer realize he should say their names, I think, was this flag waving in his face. Like, oh, that's right, people are here. <laughs> and, uh, by the way, I always like to go back on, on talking about the, the, the reason for these matches taking place because, you know, the United States and especially that's Florida went to war with New Zealand back in the uh, late 1700s. Okay. Well, don't don't you remember we have to try to go back oh, and right. figure out why everything like is a revenge match yeah. when nobody has ever taken on each other? But that takes us back to, of course, the Blackjack Brawl. <laughs> I don't think what, I'll ever forget that show. <laughs> this, That's what struck me about this show, though. There's no promos. There's no video packages. Um, they're just throwing matches together and expecting that I've watched the weekly television that will tell me why these guys are fighting. Yeah. Um, which you would never see today. <laughs> the uh, this match and then the next two, uh, you know, really starts that very strong. We hate the foreigners ordeal. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's that's laid in pretty heavily. <laughs> right, and that well, okay. The fabulous ones win this one, which brings us to Tim Horner, who <laughs> I only knew as a referee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> versus the ninja who was billed as being from the Orient. Um, now, now here, here, here's a question for you. Does anybody recognize the music that Tim Horner came into? Uh, I didn't write it down. What was it? No, I didn't that was write it down. the 1984 LA Olympic theme. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's White Lightning Tim that's Horner, Lightning, by the way. White Knight Lightning <laughs> Tim Horner. Taking um, on the ninja with Kendo Nagasaki. Right. Is, here, okay, is the ninja, was that Muda? That was Muda. Well oh, that was done. Muda. I was wondering if oh, anybody okay. was going to pick that up. Yeah, so okay. th- that's got to be like very, I mean, he's got to be early 20s maybe at this that, point. Yeah. Right. that Mid-20s maybe. I can't remember how old he is. but Well, New Japan, and I'm, I'm guessing every Japanese organization at one time would send wrestlers over to the United States to get some seasoning. Sure. I mean, the the, I, the most recent example I can think of is Jay White. Uh, when Jay White came over and wrestled for Ring of Honor before going right. back to New Japan and becoming one of the biggest things that they have there. Sure. But yes, yeah. this was indeed Muda, the it, ninja with uh, Kendo Nagasaki, who was 
just a longtime heel in Florida and Texas and um, a protege of Gary Hart, as a matter of yeah, fact, which, I, which makes you go, oh, great Muda, this makes sense. Right. I know I've seen matches with, with Kendo Nagasaki before, and I know I've seen matches with Muda, just never billed as the ninja. Um, yeah, and I, and I knew that Muda had wrestled in, well, I knew that he wrestled in NWA eventually, like, as right. Muda or some variation thereof, sure. but this, the ninja was one I was like, Oh, but I do remember at some point being told that he was called like the Black Ninja or something for some reason. But right. uh, it was it was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was I was amazed that the color commentator apparently said that he was from the Orient. Right. <laughs> which I was going, Stan Rhodes from the Orient? I don't think so. Yeah. And then, and then uh, <laughs> during the commentary, I, I, I swear up... Gordon said, "You said a mouthful, but didn't say much." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and during the commentary he brings up like the language barrier yes. of trying to interview the ninja <laughs> he says the language barrier is an advantage for him yeah because he can pretend he doesn't understand what the referee is saying yes and i was like well this is racist boy. yeah oh it's, it's bad um, and, and then uh, it, and then I, I just love how the guy wearing the mask is not the ninja you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not a lot of uh, ninja-like moves done no. here. Although no. on the hip toss, when when Horner went for a hip toss, uh, Muda or the ninja did a cartwheel by him. Right. <laughs> it's he like, did wait do a minute, I'm not I'm not cooperating with this one little yeah. bit. <laughs> to me, I noticed the theme in the in like these fir- the first two matches we actually got to watch. That was funny to me. I'm like, okay, we have the sheep herders, and then we have the ninja. So basically, if it's foreign and we hate you, you don't get a real name. Exactly. <laughs> you're just you're just a uh, description. That's very, that's very NWA mid '80s, though. Oh yeah, 100. Um, yeah. And, then, and now, ladies and gentlemen, ah, uh, uh, brother, we need to talk about the four salient points that were brought out by oh, Gordon Sully. <laughs> the arms the four and the legs, salient, and then the head the makes a fifth point. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, poor Gordon. I like you know what Gordon you know what Gordon Sully doesn't call it a suplex right did you it's suple. It's suple. Suple. <laughs> oh beautiful vertical suple <laughs> like, what? Gordon what would you like with your vodka oh a little suple but please <laughs> uh, I think I first noticed that uh, a couple years oh, when I first got the network and I watched uh, Starcade 83 because I'd always heard that Starcade 83 is a great show and it is but I remember noticing that going, is he saying souffle? Oh. <laughs> and he was the only one. The yeah. only one. The only yeah. answer. He referred to it as the souffle. Um. I'm like, was this move, did they create this in France? Did I miss something here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, so then um, the match goes into a submission hold, which was considered yes. illegal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what? no, it's, be, it's be, that was because he had uh, he had like a tape, he had tape or something that he unwrapped from around his but wrist. What, but what right. was the tape? Twine, tape, cord? Uh, uh, I, I'm not sure what he has in there. It, yeah. It's got to be cord. Uh, twi- uh, I'm not sure what he has. In- <laughs> we were unable to see. <laughs> and, unable and to see. Kendo interferes using the uh, allegedly. Yeah. As we would come to find out that this becomes mm. under review. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, I love, but Nagasaki I, hits I him with the... I love the NWA trying to sell this yeah. as a real sport. I really do. 
But I love that Nagasaki hit him with a... Is that a kendo, kendo stick? It's a kendo yes. stick. Of course it is. Right. Uh, <clears throat> Which we learn more about next match. Right. Because it's <laughs> Kendo Nagasaki is the next match. Right. So, yes, the ninja wins this one, but he's DQ'd. So, uh, Tim Horner retains the championship. Um, but we don't find that out right then, do we? We find that out later? Because at oh, least, right. at least during this, yeah. ninja gets the title after right. this wonderful, right. beautiful moonsault, by the way. That's right. <laughs> So we don't we don't know that uh, during the uh, the television airing. That's right. <laughs> uh, oh the oh, oh the the video review was not quite as yeah. good in these days as they were now. Oh wait, I'm I'm sorry. Actually, I think yes. then I don't know if that that was ever announced. I'm sorry. I'm looking at my notes for the next one, which also ended in DQ. Yes. Um, yes, that did. Right. Did, that was, uh, that we, was we didn't for the AWA that the, championship. Yes, we didn't okay. mention that this show was being brought to you by DQ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go get your ice creams at DQ. Oh, <laughs> You may not know what DQ is up in uh, New York. Dairy Queen. Dairy Queen. We've got them. We just don't have as many. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> well, I, I love how uh, Gordon Soley says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, as we're getting ready for the next match, we're waiting for Nick Wachbinkle. <laughs> oh. uh, Fill it up, Gordon. So, uh, so it's, yes, it's Nick Bockwinkle versus Kendo Nagasaki. The manager is now being managed by uh, Sir Hul- Oliver Humperdinck. Um, <laughs> what a name! Now, Craig, maybe you can shed some light on this. Why? Yes. Why is the AWA Championship being uh, defended on an NWA show? Because uh, championship wrestling from Florida would bring in anybody that they wanted to. They might have been associated with the NWA, but uh, Eddie Graham and then Mike Graham's promotion would bring in the the top talent from everywhere. Uh, So Bachwinkle was there. Because this was Battle of the Belts 3, of course you're going to have an AWA championship bout because... Uh, they were trying to book the MGM Grand Championship, right? Or the uh, word we can't say anymore for right. people who aren't quite as tall as others. Championship. Yes. <laughs> this is this is also too. This comes at a time where basically Nick Bockwinkle is doing the swan song, and even though he's still wildly, he's fifty-one years old during this match. By the wow. way, wow. And wow. so he retires the next year in 1987. And I think that there were still a ton of promotions and places that were like, well, let's, you know, let's bring him in. This is basically mm-hmm. like the last opportunity, right. potentially, for, for people to get to see him as he retires the next okay. year. That makes sense. And I, I think also, um, I'm guessing from the other side, I remember reading that Vern Gagne was at this point willing to work with anybody just to try and, and keep up with Vince. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> because there's only so many show, uh, shows you can do from the showboat. Right. Um, <laughs> Nick, well, this was, was, no, this was before uh, the this, AWA eventually had that, that, that daily show that on ESPN. That was way before that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, this match, I like this match, actually. I thought this was great. Um, this is a couple old-timers. I had to look it yeah. up because I knew that Bachwinkle was, I, I knew that he was a in my mind, approaching 50 at this time. Right. But I looked it up, find out he's 51. And Nagasaki, during this match, is 44. Oh, wow. So when you put that into perspective and you yeah. watch this match, you're like, oh, all right. Whereas, like, now when we watched, you know, The Undertaker with Triple H, 
yeah. at a great showdown or whatever in Saudi Arabia and stuff, and you're like, God, these guys need to hang it up. Meanwhile, you watch these two of similar ages, and you're like, ah, this is, this is pretty good right here. Yeah, no, I, thought this was, no, I thought this was good. I liked this. Um, Bachman this is another collection. one. I think, I think their styles worked well together, which you wouldn't think, but I think they did. Yeah. Yeah. Bachwinkle actually came back for a uh, when they did Slamboree Return of the Legends or something. Yeah. It was a show in Atlanta, and he had a match with somebody, and I almost fell asleep, and I, th- I said that. I think it was uh, Dory, actually. Yeah. And, right? and And Wade Keller got mad at me because I... I, th- I think he thought I was uh, yelling Dory, Dory. No, I was uh, yelling something Boy. else, and he got very mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we, we do find out why kendo sticks are so important in yes. Japanese culture, because apparently in Japan, they use kendo sticks instead of, uh, you know, swords for fencing. Yes. A legitimate sporting item in Japan. That is what Gordon calls it. So it's it's allowed to be brought ringside because it's a legitimate sporting item. Like, what is it? All right, I'm not bringing my football helmet and uh, football to the ringside. Like, no, there are no sporting items brought to the ringside. Yeah. But, Steve, you know this, being an announcer today... That you cannot set up a wrestling ring anywhere in the world without having a kendo stick placed underneath it. Kendo sticks underneath yeah. the ring. Yeah. Now it's there. D- doesn't doesn't it come with the doesn't it come with the ring now? Part of the it's, ring setup. I put the kendo stick underneath. You know, two two metal garbage cans. Yeah. Two folding tables. Got, gotta get some tables. Um. Now, in fairness, with the trash cans and the tables, I do feel like. Under the ring is a good storage yeah. place, sure. depending upon what the venue setup looks like. Sure. And you always have some of those extra things. So yeah. I get how that could have come about, but, right. you know, yeah, a kendo stick. Kendo stick, yeah. A That's, sledgehammer? Yeah. You know, little things you put under the ring. It's, you know, the kendo stick must be in case you can make the uh, argument somebody that wants the if you want to challenge to, challenge to a duel. Yes. Yeah. So you could use a sledgehammer, yes. You just yeah. sledgehammer. Kendo sticks, you want to challenge somebody to a duel instead of fencing? That's why you have right. to have the kendo sticks. Right. <laughs> and and it's in this match that we get the very first Gordon Soleyism hi hi backdrop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh Nick wins this one when Oliver Humperdinck trips him up, but they don't shoot it from an angle in which we can see anything. Um, yeah. So we just have to take Gordon Sully's word for it. Um, he wins that, wins via trip up. Yeah. Uh, right. but, what, but what did the ring announcer tell us happened? Um, did the he ninja, excuse me, Kendo is disqualified. Yes, yes that's right. Steve, you've never done that, have you? <laughs> uh, I don't know. You know what? I don't think I have ever said the wrong name. On a, you know, on a victory, anyway, because it, here's little inside information. Ooh. To make sure that I don't do that, I don't look at uh, the predetermined outcomes. Mm-hmm. Ah. Because I'm also aware that things can change for a variety right. of reasons. Sure. So I, in my mind, I'm like, well, I don't want to get stuck on this, you know, making sure I say this one name, because what if it has to change? quickly or sure. for whatever reason yeah. or the two guys 
in the match decide, hey, this is going to change. Yeah. <laughs> There's right. a variety of reasons that it could. And uh, so I just like I, I just wait for the finish and like, OK, this is who wins. But that, I used to, I used to that do that you. when I was announcing with Global and USWA. I did not want to know what the finish was right. because I wanted to be genuinely surprised. Yeah. The, one time, the one time they did tell me uh, something that was going to happen, it led to me hitting my head up against the wall and having a fireball thrown in my face. So I just said, you know, I want you can do whatever you want to. I'll just react <laughs> accordingly. <laughs> the other thing, too, is, uh, you know, if you get... Like, we have a newer referee at AIW. And so you have someone like him. And we've had, um, like, newer referees come in a couple different times uh, just to help them get some experience, get them some work. But it, it helps build. The whole thing is an art, and you want to make it seem as real as possible, right? And sure. so to build that, part of it is, okay, in this instance, if it is a disqualification and you don't get that in a huge arena show like this necessarily, but in a smaller venue where people are watching and see everything, I can then go to the referee and make him come over to me and we talk about it. So it looks mm -hmm. like it's his decision. Right. And now the audience is like, oh, okay, the ref made the call. He's explaining what happened, even though he may not be. But, you know, right. like at least it, it goes that way and sure. it, it builds their – authority you know the mystique of that authority it, it helps out like yeah. it means something for a referee to be there sure. I'm, I'm gonna totally put steve over here because well of course he should go over uh anyway i'm gonna put totally put steve over by saying your facial expressions when you do that ringside with a referee just <laughs> always so amazing because it's it's you would have thought that this was uh ted koppel getting the <laughs> getting the official news and uh, this just in from our uh from our affiliates <laughs> yeah and every once in a while you 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 pull the mic to your mouth like you're yeah. about to say but then you check again like hey yep. do, do i have this Are you sure okay and then you go in and say it yeah nice. it's yeah. all part of it sure <laughs> As we get ready to go to the next match, I, I want to take you behind the scenes of uh, production in uh, different television shows and live events. So uh, let's okay. take you behind the scenes to what happens before the next match. Uh, okay, stand by and cue the smoke. And oh, yeah, roll, you roll, can roll see the, the guy. Um, yeah. A <laughs> uh, uh, little more smoke. Uh, get, get some more smoke. A uh, little more smoke. Okay, when are they coming back from commercial? A uh, little yep. more smoke. Um <laughs> What do you mean they're back from commercial? Little more smoke, <laughs> more smoke, See more the guy smoke. The smoke are, are, are the road warriors here? Smoke more smoke. <laughs> yes, it is. Thirty it's, seconds of smoke. It's the road warriors versus the shock troops. What a great name, huh? Yes. Which, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but and maybe it's just because they're called the shock troops and it made me think of it. But at some point during this match, I swear Gordon called them the stormtroopers by mistake. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me. I may have just heard it in my mind, but I was like, what? And I, and I didn't bother to rewind it, but I should have. The Gestapo oh Express coming through. <laughs> um. Here's the Luftwaffe warriors. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, the Road Warriors are managed by Paul uh, Paul Ellering, who Precious actually Paul gets involved in this match, allegedly. Yes. Um, and uh, the Shock Troops are also managed by Oliver Humperdinck. Um, yeah, I have that written down. Paul gets involved in match, but it's not on camera. Um, 
Because just last week we were talking about how for as great a manager as Paul Ellering was, he never actually got involved in matches. Um, yeah. But, we, we, we don't know the name of the shock troops until the commentators tell us. That's another one. The ring announcers don't yes. give us their names again. Uh, uh, it was Kareem Muhammad, yeah. correct? And Ed Gantner. The Bull um, Gantner. The Bull. Ed, yeah. the Bull Gantner. Because you bull. thought it was yeah. Danny Spivey, didn't you? That's who I you did. thought it was. I did think it was Danny Spivey. <laughs> As for, I, I like to go and look at reviews of shows uh, as I get ready to do my massive amounts of homework in preparation for this podcast. Sure. 411 Mania called this match four guys with power moves with no ability to sell. <laughs> well, because they're all, all four of these guys are usually billed as, you know, massive behemoths that everybody has to overcome. So then when they're all in the ring together, it's like. <laughs> well, right. And that's actually. That's. <laughs> The opening of this match is Hawk and uh, Kareem just trying to move each other. Um, and big show of power. In the middle of all of this, again, is scrawny little Bill Alfonso. <laughs> yep. I, I, Come I on. Noted Come on, here. Daddy. He, he had a dance going on during Gantner's bear hug. I yep. mean, that was a full-on Fonzie dance. Yep. <laughs> By the way, I, I don't know if this was a quote or if it's what I wrote. I said, it's like putting two Sherman tanks together at 30 miles an hour and let's see what will happen. No, that's no, quote. actually Gordon said that, didn't Go- he? Gordon solely said that. <laughs> <laughs> it was a weird thing to say. <laughs> I like, I like when he covers for Hawk dropping Muhammad on his head. Oh, yeah. almost dropped him on his head there. No, he did drop him. No, on his dropped head. Him. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> we did, however, get some background in this one, right? They kind of told us that these guys didn't like each other, that yes. it's ended in a brawl before, so people are on standby just yes. in case. Oh, yes. we're not foreshadowing, are we? No. no. <laughs> um, that's right. They did tell us that. And, of course, yes, it ends in a huge schmoz. Um. <laughs> Fonzie calls down some more referees. Right. They the all refer- get knocked out. Yeah, they get knocked out. <laughs> Fonzie does not. He does not no. get hit. So here's the question. Did... This match end in a disqualification from outside interference, interference from the referees. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know. I think they just called it a, uh, a, just a no it finish. Yeah. yeah, no finish. And, yeah, and as, as as we used to call it in the Shinnamaki Post, the great publication uh, written by myself, Scott Hudson, and, and Steve Prazak, Gordon was ordering hair restorer. Or, or, or we must restore. Uh, we must restore <laughs> order. How yeah. many times did he say that? Yes. Order the, must uh, be restored. The the great Muda. We get to see him. How about how about the fact? That's what I noted. Is that the, <laughs> you're here? You are trying to separate the road warriors and the shock troops, who nobody will eventually care about. <laughs> and you then shortly hereafter become the great Muda, who is you know, held yeah. as arguably one of the greatest professional wrestlers sure. of all time. <laughs> yeah. but the, everybody gets their star somewhere, kids. Yep. <laughs> well, that brings us back to um, the Blackjack Brawl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In which we watched uh, Mick Foley wrestle to a, a double countout. In a lumberjack match. Um, <laughs> I forgot. So many great memories. Um, although, 
that may have been after his his WCW career, so I don't know if that counts, but still. Um. I I wonder if you asked Mick about that now, because there are certain things where he will fight to the death, you know, yeah. proverbably on the importance of of why that happened, and there are other there are other things that he's very good about looking back on and be like. Yes, that was dumb. <laughs> um, it's it's against Superfly Snuka, so I'm guessing he'd be he'd say I, I liked working with Superfly. But the, um, but the but the fact that it was a double countout in a yeah, lumberjack in a lumberjack match, match yes. Um, <laughs> um, hey, it's yeah. not, it's time for the Tommy Bahama Championship. Uh, the Bahama Championship. The Bahamas Championship. <laughs> Wait, now don't the forget. The other thing I should say is, about the the Road Warriors match is you knew where it was going because it was the only match not for a belt. Um. Ah uh, yes. <laughs> uh, Gordon had a belt sometime during the the match. I'm sure. But this uh. this this uh, melee in the Road Warriors match then impacts the beginning of our next match. Yes. <laughs> this is Kendall Win- Windham. Um. I guess Barry's brother. It is. Um, yeah. The youngest yeah. of the Wyndham clan. He's he's kind of the Mike Von Erich of the Wyndhams. Okay. But uh, but actually had some size. He was just very lanky and could never gain any weight. Right, and he is taking on Chris Champion, who I liked. Uh, I had never seen him wrestle before. I liked him. Now, Champion um, is the champion, and he's the wild man from Tasmania. Yes. What makes this? <laughs> <laughs> are you are you going where did Taz go? <laughs> um Oh, I just looked him up. He was also Yoshi Kwan. Yes. Yeah, okay. Um And and as we're waiting for Chris Champion, let's take you behind the scenes once again as we take you behind mm-hmm. the scenes to let you know how they cue the wrestlers to go on. Okay, uh, Chris Champion here. Stand by for Chris Champion. And uh <laughs> no Chris Champion? Gordon, there there's no Chris Champion. No, but, yeah. Stand by, Nassau. Your champion is coming. Oh, here's yes. Chris Champion. Bring him on out, because Nassau's waiting. <laughs> what the hell? And apparently his ego is so big, he wants to be the president of the Bahamas. <laughs> That's um, right. Um, against even the though, young... Again, he, uh, oh, go ahead. Even though, again, he's billed as being from Tasmania. Yes. Um, and then uh, Wyndham is called the youngest of the Kim Kendall Wyndham clan. Yes. <laughs> I just I just call him Bray Wyatt's uncle. That's fine. exactly yeah, that's fair. <laughs> he, hey, but be fair to Chris Champion. He was he. It's not that he was missing. He was catching his breath because he was trying to separate the Road Warriors and the Shock Troops. It's true. Yeah. It's true. I, I no. I gotta say, I liked Chris Champion. I mean, for a match in 1986, he's incredibly acrobatic. You know. Um, not a lot of guys worked that style outside of Mexico in 1986. Yeah, uh, very uh, Dynamite Kid-esque. Yeah, yeah. Chris Champion was part of a tag team and called the New Breed uh, in right, WCW I remember the New Breed. as well. Yeah. And if you, if you want to ever have some fun about something that wasn't supposed to happen, uh, look up the YouTube video, Jerry Lawler Almost Kills Chris Champion, huh. <laughs> and enjoy the fun. Okay. I think I know what that is. Wait, that was Chris Champion? That was Chris Champion. Okay. Huh. Um, Hold Jerry Lawler. Now, uh, apparently Stan Rhodes has a VIP identity card that he's polishing up for the Bahamas. What the hell, dude? (laughs) What are you talking about? I... 
I'm, I'm thinking he's trying to put over Chris as as the cocky heel. Oh, okay. But it, it wasn't working um, because he's talking about, yeah, having a VIP membership card. Yeah. <laughs> to what? 24-hour fitness? Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, this this also ends in a DQ when <laughs> the ref gets knocked down. When yes. uh, Chris throws Kendall into the ref and knocks down the ref. And then immediately we have to go back to the Road Warriors and Shock Troops thing. And Gordon and Dan have to talk about how the referees are now taking this very seriously since the last match. And so, therefore, they are not letting anything slide. Um, it's like they, it's like in it, sports, you know, when you, yeah. you want to give the guys the ability to play physical. But, mm -hmm. you know, a couple knuckleheads take it over the top and mm -hmm. look, everything's getting called now, pal. Yep. And <laughs> Wyndham was actually mad about winning. Did you yeah. see how mad he was? Well, yes. it's because he was so he's throwing the lasso thing around. He's calling for the bulldog, and then that's when Chris Champion throws him into the ref. But then immediately after, he hits the bulldog. So he's there for the pin. He essentially has the match won via pin, but the ref can't see this because he's been knocked down, and all he knows is, "Hey, this guy shoved me. It's yeah. over." So poor Kendall thinks he's he's the new champion of the Bahamas. Uh, and you know that a nice looking bulldog championship in the Bahamas will will get you. I'm not sure what it'll get you, but it'll get you. It'll get you a nice stay at uh, Sandals Resort in Nassau. <laughs> I'm sure. Free uh, drinks. Oh wait a minute. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Gordon Tully, line one. I'm it, sorry. It's it's not all inclusive. It just gets you the stay. Oh okay. Yeah. Uh, By the I way, uh, how many how many uh, matches are we in now? And we see the first replay of the night. Yes, <laughs> I noticed. I actually have that written down. Replay! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! They it's found the, the video production that He's went into the, the smoke. Show. <laughs> um, that's that's our technically the sixth match because there was the one that we caught the end of. Yes. that would otherwise be the fifth full match that we get to see. Yes. I think. Uh, oh yeah, I looked it up. Um, the Baham the Bahamanian Championship was active until 2012. So, wow. Or tw I'm sorry, 2016. The last uh, person to hold it was Alex Chamberlain. Hmm. Um, yeah. That's that's like when I said sensational Stephen Dane in uh, Global Wrestling Federation held the Korean Heavyweight Championship. Uh, beating Lee Duck Sue, to which Scott Hudson said, I had that for lunch with the egg roll. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what? Sorry. That's what yeah. he said. This was 19 what? Yeah. <laughs> A lot of questionable calls by, uh, well, whatever. Hey, Jerry Lawler made a questionable call in 2020, so yep. that's yes. fine. Yep. Talking about ramen noodles or whatever. Yeah. Yep. That was uh, 1990, well, by the so. way. Yeah. <laughs> or was that 2019 when Jim Cornette made that call? Uh-uh. Um, I want a... I want a cheeseburger! <laughs> uh, that was... That, that was 2020, I think, right? Maybe yeah, it was 2019. I don't know. Yeah. If we want to uh, go back and erase the history, we can. Okay. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> um, 
Because we're filling time, ladies and gentlemen. We're filling time because that's what they had to do in this particular show because they had nothing to put on or they were selling Polaroids in the, in the uh, uh, lobby or at intermission. Mm-hmm. But we're definitely filling time for a long time here. But our next match is Lex Luger versus Ric Flair for the NWA Championship. Now, and it is two two out of three falls. It's the only gimmick match on the on the card. Now, Stan has um, talked to Lex Luger on many occasions, which he lets yes. you know on many occasions <laughs> during this preamble to the match. And I want to say, they get Chiron. They're the only two workers to get Chiron. Um, <laughs> now, remember, this is not your standard one hour, two out of three falls match, because we want to make sure that you know that it's three 20-minute periods. Right. So if you get a pin during one of the periods, that erases that 20 minutes and you go to the next one. Yep. Because this will have absolutely nothing to do with the finish because we guarantee you we're going to spend all this time explaining it, not telling mm-hmm. you what the finish is at all. But just so you know, it's not a one-hour. It's, it's individual periods of time limits because that will have nothing to do with the finish whatsoever. And I feel a like the finish of, could have come out the same way, even if it was just yep. one time period in however many falls yeah. you go. Uh, a lot of our re- uh, listeners actually don't watch wrestling because um, we try to make the format as open as possible here on this show. Um, so I am going to say, I'm going to remind everybody, if an announced team spends an inordinate amount of time selling the rules of a match, they will come up in that match. It's <laughs> um, true. Now, before we get to that... Uh, Do you want to talk about Ric Flair's rope that's uh, appraised at five to $10,000 per rope? Yes. I, I would love to talk about that, but I was too, distra- about- I was too distracted by his entrance music. Okay, I couldn't place it. Lex Luger's was Back in Black by ACDC. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't place Rick's. I, I was surprised no idea- it was not... I have not- no idea what it was. I don't either. Yeah, I, I was surprised it wasn't uh, also sparked uh, Zarathustra, though. Um, Excuse you? <laughs> You know, the 2001 thing. I know, but I've never heard it put yeah, that way before. He, I've heard the 2001 uh, He had been using that song, the 2001 theme. Uh, yeah. He'd been using that for, I mean, how long? Since yeah, the right. 70s, right? Yeah. Now, so, if, you go back, if you go back and watch this, uh, watch this particular show, the lyrics to the song, the chorus is like, He's a champion, a champion. Yeah. Yeah. You would have thought this was right out of American Gladiators. <laughs> yeah. or, or, to be more precise, the Crystal Light Aerobic Championship, which yes. is where I think they got the song from. <laughs> I I wonder if it's a band that somehow goes with a, a theme. Like, NWA must have had some sort of deal with a company that owns a record label or something right right? but that's because that's why we got the boys are back in town acdc back in black and i think there was some somebody else had a song that was recognizable i don't remember but this was also before dvd this was you know not everything showed up on on video back then yeah you know and they could also so to to pay licensing for broadcast was a lot cheaper than to pay licensing for like a video release. ASCAP and BMI basically didn't care at this point. Right. Because right. their money was in records and and, yeah. and CDs and stuff like that. So nobody right. cared. But it's when that revenue started going away that suddenly everybody cared. Sure. I and, forgot, by the way, how much a juiced up 
Lex, well, how much Lex Luger looks like a juiced up Patrick Swayze. Yes. <laughs> and he was successful with ripping off his T-shirt. And, you know, that is just, you know, uh, having looked back. Super at his, Brawl Saturday? Yep. Second week know. in a row we got that in. Yes. And I'm sorry, as I shouldn't say juiced up. As Stan Rhodes put it, it was adrenaline flowing through Lex Luger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Stan calls Nate the rhinestone cowboy yes hello stan <laughs> the original rhinestone campbell which glenn campbell on line one um and it's good to see that the code of honor was adhered to even though this wasn't a ring of honor show yes that's um, right rick is all about it right but he immediately begs off so he wasn't um that's <laughs> because he's the dirtiest player in the game yeah exactly he you know I forgot, even the beginning of this match, like when they tie up and Luger throws him down and Flair just oversells the hell out of it. Like, oh, yeah. Like Ric Flair can and everybody learn to do I after God. that. I got, I got. I mean, <laughs> because his career went so long and there were a lot of uh-huh. matches that you watched that you were like, man, I wish he didn't do this. It's, yeah. it's like you got to a point where you forgot how good he was at those kind of things. Oh, yeah. So it's so fun to watch a 1986 Ric Flair again, who even still, he's like... Oh, yeah. Late he he 30s powders here. out during the first fall, and it's amazing to watch. Um, yeah. Because, like, he, he gets halfway up the audience before deciding he's going to walk back, you know? Right. Like, he really makes it look like he's just going to walk out and take the count out. Um, Fonzie says, get back in here, Daddy. Yeah. And... Lex totally no sold his chops. I mean, yes. zero sell right there. Yes. Yeah, and th- yeah. there were there were no uh, no big woos at this point because that was right. not a thing yet where everybody was going crazy with the woos. There's a chant at the end of this match. <laughs> I'm so there. surprised that like a chant even existed in 1986. Um, we'll get to it though. <laughs> uh, yeah, Rick takes the first fall. Um, oh yeah, which by the way, rare moment where a figure four leg lock gets locked in, and yes. you get a pinfall. Yeah, out of that. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Well, and, give it up to your friend Fonzie for being totally clueless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> that Rick was holding the ropes. Well, he just... oh yeah, and 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 Gordon Soley and Stan Rhodes. Uh, point that out several times. <laughs> you can only see so much, you know. Yes. When you're trying to, when you're laid out like that, and you're trying to check one guy's shoulders and see how he is, you can't see that the other guy on the other end is holding on to the ropes. All right, these are six foot plus tall men. That's a that's a good distance yeah. there. Yeah, that's that's very true. That's that's fair. I mean, I thought they were <laughs> using that to sell that like he would have, you know, lost that fall by you know by cheating, but it really never comes up after he. The pinfall's broken, um, so yeah. Not like uh, yeah. not like when you go back in time to that tag match between the sheep herders and the <laughs> fabulous ones, yes. where it was okay that the fabulous ones cheated because yes. the sheep herders had cheated, and so you know, in Gordon's eyes, that tag was legal and right, or that he was a legal man, so it's okay that one rolled the other one out of the ring. And speaking of Gordon and uh, the television show, we'll be back in 122 seconds. What does that mean, Gordon? Can't you just say two minutes and two seconds? 122 seconds. Uh, Chuck Woolery had that locked in. 
Chuck Woolery owned two and two. He's a um, he's a quirky guy, man. That, yeah. that goes right out there with the vertical souple. <laughs> yes. It's it, I mean, basically, these two just uh, <laughs> there's no there's no baby face or heel in this entire show when it comes to the commentary team. Oh it's God, like, no. It's no. just who they like to hang out with more. <laughs> yeah. Right, yes, during Rick's entrance, he, like, gives a nod to Gordon, and Gordon says, Hey, Rick, nice to see you. <laughs> but Stan's all about Lex Luger, so... Right. Um, yeah, they just... They, yeah. But you also have to remember, at this time, Gordon was doing World Champion... Or Georgia Championship Wrestling, right. Championship Wrestling from Florida, and Southeastern Championship Wrestling. Sure. He was doing three shows a week. Yeah. Right. Who uh, had World Class at that time? Was that JR? No, Bill Mer- uh, World Class was Bill Mercer. Bill Mercer, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, JR was doing UWF that wasn't owned by Herb Abrams, but at that right. time it was Mid-South. Right. Which is where we get the Wrestling Network from, the beautiful Mid-South Wrestling Network. <laughs> Boyd Pierce, your ring announcer. I, I did appreciate, uh, even though he did not sell the chops early on, Lex Luger did sell... That figure four, pretty much the rest of the match. Yes. And yeah. That, that was nice. But I guess yeah. that's a much more important thing in terms of the story. I feel like that's oh, one no. of those, a young Lex Luger, if he doesn't sell that, Ric Flair's going to be like, listen here, you son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> going to make that hurt. Um. <laughs> so we go to yeah. the second period. Remember, these uh, it's a two out of three fall match in their periods. Right. Right. This yes. has nothing to do with the end of the match, but the second fall is now a new 20-minute time period. Fresh 20 yes. minutes. Yes. Fresh 20 minutes. And Luger takes that one, so they're one and one. And, and in the and, tradition of every great two out of three falls match. And where did uh, where did Mr. Flair land, according to Mr. Soli? On uh, his oh. gluteus maximus. Maximus, that's right. Oh, <laughs> we should mention the, uh, you actually said this to me the other day, Craig, the thing about bruising versus dirt. <laughs> <laughs> what was this? He keeps talking about how Rick has deep yeah, bruising that, that, that's on the his third ribs. fall. Oh, the third oh, fall. We are foreshadowing. <laughs> no, I think he mentions the deep bruises early on, like it was yeah, a different I match. So too. Yeah, but the, uh, but then it gets. Uh, we'll get into this in the third fall. But is it dirt, or, yeah. or is it deep bruising? I can't tell. What do you think? Uh, it's just yeah. dirt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right, yes, yes, Rick landed right on his gluteus maximus. Um, that had to hurt. And, yes, so, so the third so fall. Third fall. How long was it before they touched in this third fall? It was a while. <laughs> it was quite some time, yes. And then that was followed by what? A bear hug. Yep. For a, a while. Bear hug lasted a while, too. Um, it, quite the rest hold there. This uh, was a war of attrition at this point, yes, okay? And, and, you got to yes. wear your opponent down. And it was good to see the Seth uh, Seth Rollins eye gouge because nobody does it. Wait a minute, <laughs> Seth Rollins doesn't exist yet, but sure looked like one of his eye gouges. It did actually. Um, yeah, we we really get the dirtiest player in the game here in the uh, yeah. in the third sequence. We got a little bit in the, early on, but it really starts to pick up again here. I love the lariat by the challenger. Okay, it went to his stomach, but it was a lariat. <laughs> Apparently, yes. it was one time where Luger tried to do a clothesline and ended up hitting Nate in the stomach. I'm like, what the hell happened? Oh, and I just also want to circle back to, um, it's so rare that a fan has a sign 
that the camera actually focuses on a sign that just says Lex Luger. And I'm just thinking, wow, 10 years from then would be entirely different. <laughs> so, there was there was a sign for... Uh, the Road Warriors. And for Kendall Wyndham. It's He's a, number it, one. Yeah, Kendall That's number right. one or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It, was, it either said Kendall number one, or it may have said number one Kendall, which would make <laughs> you question, do they have a list of Kendalls? <laughs> but... <laughs> it's the tag team of the Kendalls at Kendall number one. Yeah. My, but yes. my number one Kendall on my top ten list of Kendalls, Kendall Wyndham. <laughs> well, I always think of USA, Hakchui, Iran number one, USSR <laughs> <Yes>. number one, Hakchui. <laughs> I don't know 10 Kendalls, but I'll tell you, number one, Kendall Wyndham. Number yeah. two on the list of Kendalls is Kendall Gill from the NBA. Yeah. Seattle, Seattle Supersonics. That's all. That's oh all I got. God. You are bringing back some memories, sir, because I worked with Kendall Gill back when I was with the Sonics. Look at nice. you. Yes. I, you wait, know, wait. I did my research on what your history. No, I did Thank not. <laughs> yeah, when he would score a three-pointer, it would be Kendall Gill. <laughs> kind of a kind of a Don Pardo thing there. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we we do get uh, we get the outside brawling. Yes. Yes. And the cra- according to Stan Rhodes, the crowd uh, is to their feet, except the first row, which is still seated. Wait a minute. Seated. Actually, yes. nobody's on their feet. <laughs> but apparently, he can see everyone on their feet. You know what? We oh, have they also got all got the Mormon memo in the uh, <laughs> the, the number of white button down shirts in that first row. <laughs> are are those guardrails? I meant to ask about this earlier. Like, were those guardrails commonplace back then? I'm trying to remember in all the old stuff I watched because it like you know it's not like the guardrails as we've come to know it. Or, no, yeah, yeah. or you even see in the '90s, like it was. I don't know how you. They weren't jersey these. barriers. They were basically just pieces of, of uh, metal piping that went around, and they were very flimsy. It's you like when you're in line at an amusement park, right? Exactly. Like those, yes. those separators. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the velvet ropes. Are you in the VIP section, sir? Because you know, Chris <laughs> Champion has a VIP card that will allow him to get inside those ropes. Um. Yes, so this this one goes the full 20-minute time limit, which prompts a bullshit chant from the crowd, which I loved. But, but um, did, did anybody notice, uh, if you if you watch Ric Flair matches closely, you can always tell when he drops the blade. Did you did you see yes. him yep. quietly drop it in between the ring and the apron oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. on the outside? Yeah, this came up last week when we talked about WrestleMania 8. Rick <laughs> has never been subtle about blading. Um, <laughs> but yes, yeah. bullshit chants uh, are great. Yes, I loved that because the crowd, you know, 1986, the crowd is more willing to go along with kayfabe, but, you know, at this point they're just going, no, fuck it, this sucks, <laughs> this is bullshit. Yeah, they were, half the crowd was for Luger, half of it was mm-hmm. for Flair, Yep. 100% they felt bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> One way or the other. <laughs> well, you and know, if, if, speaking if of I'll... kayfabe, yeah. that did not feel like an actual 20 minutes. Hmm. Um, I don't know. It went for a good while. It did go for a good while, uh, and I could be wrong. And our timekeeper, just... okay, if it was not a full twenty minutes, mm-hmm. then the ring announcer slash timekeeper did do a great job of still making announcing those time cues, so that at least That's mentally fair. you thought yeah. that it was twenty yeah. minutes. You know, yeah. And that yeah. that makes a difference because it's sure. one thing when you have like 
a time limit draw like that and people can like they'll call bullshit and be like ah that wasn't 20 minutes let me check my time but then if yeah. somebody tells them you know five minutes 10 minutes 15 minutes then they kind of question themselves like well he did tell me every five minutes what time it was even if it wasn't every five minutes so you're like you're right that may have been a 10 or 12 minute third yeah. period but in our minds at least because nobody's pulling out their cell phone and not everybody's yeah. doing a watch right in 1986 so yeah good good on them for doing that part of it i guess sure I mean, if it wasn't a legit twenty minutes, I mean, it, it yeah could have been. But yeah, even like and even, said, even if it just, wasn't, I'm saying like you know, good on yeah. good on them for having yeah. uh, the wherewithal to be like, hey, make sure yeah. you still give these time cues. You know, we, you know, we beat this ring announcer up enough, I think, on this on the show. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't want to give him some. Oh, you ring that. announcers, you all stand together, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, if we if we beat up on the ring announcers enough, let's let's uh, go back to the television producer who. Uh, Remember, thank you for being with us. Oh, wait a minute. We're going to a commercial now after showing you a replay. Yep. And now it's time for our main event yep. Barry w for the Florida Heavyweight Championship because this is our main event. It is the last thing on the show. Barry Cowboy Windham Ron Bass versus Barry Windham. And this Outlaw is a, Ron Bass. This There's is a, a hell of a, a, a pairing right here, too, you know? Yeah. yeah. And according and to Stan, no, for some there's reason no he was Cowboy Ron Bass, not Outlaw. Yeah, he's cowboy on this one. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, because he eventually he became outlaw. Yeah, but, I remember uh, him as outlaw. Uh, according to Stan, there's no lost loved between these two. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that means and, they uh, never loved each other. Yes, and and Bass takes over, and uh, what are, what are those things on the screen? Uh, that's the credits. Ex executive, the what? What's uh, there's a match going on? Why are these? Graphics on the screen. No, we're and out of Gordon time. hopes that we have enough videotape to catch the rest of the match. Um. We're, we're all out of time here. Hopefully, we catch the rest of the match and show it to you at another point. Like, isn't this uh, a special event? Why would you show it to us at another point? <laughs> according to the uh, description of the YouTube video, it did get shown the next week on TV. It oh, did. Okay. Yeah. Okay, but here's the thing. Okay, yes. even if you're gonna go. Kayfabe, you're plotting a show out. You know how much TV time you exactly. have. The viewer exactly. doesn't necessarily know how much time you have. But when you tell them how many matches you have on the card and you tell them that every match, with the exception of the NWA Championship between Flair and Luger, is 30-minute mm -hmm. time limit, right? in a viewer's mind, that is a maximum amount of television that they're going to be watching. So well, the Steve, fact that you don't get enough time for a match, and oh, by the way, you started before the first match, you know, like you started midway through or at the end of that match. So but the producer, already, you know, yeah, the producer wrote no. down that that went the full 30 minutes, so he thought they had plenty of time remaining. <laughs> now, Craig, yes. before we started taping, you told me that this was a syndicated show. Yes. Uh, which leads me to believe... This was pre-taped. This was not live. No, it was live. It was live. Oh, it was live. Uh, it, okay. it had a... What what happens in television world is they had a hard out because they had to finish by 10 o'clock because some of the stations had news at 10. News, sure. So uh, it was a hard out, but this is what I, I really didn't understand is as the, as the shot went wide, there's nobody left in the ring. 
Yes. <laughs> so we could have seen the finish, but instead we saw something else. It's like... No, I did pay attention to that. It's because when they cut away, they cut away at a point where the guys went out of the oh, ring. Oh, okay. So, yeah, if you watch very quickly, like at the end of that, I think before it goes away, you see one of them get thrown back into the ring and then the other one comes in. So that match is still happening. During the cutaway. It, it's it's like the Heidi football game. It, exactly. Um, yeah. Because um, um. I thought the same thing. I'm like, well, wait, wait a minute. Why is this an empty ring? And then I saw a guy get thrown in. I'm like, oh, okay. And, and for all these years, it has just bugged me. Who won that match? <laughs> I can tell you. Yeah, who won? Who won that match? Okay. Um, I'm look. I actually looked it up. I'm bringing it up on the interwebs now. Actually, um, I do know. Okay, uh, that was that was won by Barry Windham. Yes, the title changed hands and went to the baby face. <laughs> we we don't even see it. You're correct, the only, sir. The only title change on the show. <laughs> At Battle of the Belts three. And, and I, I love that the closing graphics, like, after they show the credits, um, they just have clips from the weekly television that look a lot better produced than anything we've seen <laughs> all show. Um. And, now yeah. you see, and now you see why I picked this show, because yes. there's so many little quirks in this show yes. that make it so enjoyable to make you go, what in the hell was that? What, what a mess. I mean... I don't know. I don't have anything it, to that thought. But. It, it just, it feels like a territory show from the 70s or 80s, you know? Which where, is basically or, what it was. Yeah, exactly, you know? Um, but I can just imagine that, uh, who's the who's the, the booker at, at FCW? Uh, Mike Graham. Mike Graham is just watching this television getting produced and going, they're not doing shit like this up in New York, you know? Um <laughs> And this is why New York McMahon took over. sends them home on time. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is 100% why New York took over the entire country instead of territories. Right. Exactly. Because we um, had this so long from the Sunshine State. And Gordon didn't right. even do that. He just no. said so long. It's not so long from the Sunshine. That was his trademark. So long from yeah. the Sunshine State. Um... um I, there was a couple matches on, on the show I really liked. I surprisingly liked the the Flair Luger match, and I shouldn't be surprised that I liked a Flair match. But you know, I've never been a Lex Luger fan, um, as we say every time he comes up on this show. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if that was because this is his younger years. Like he's yeah. he's not even thirty, I think, at this point. So. Yeah this is a huge opportunity for him and he's right. he's still willing to do stuff you know They're like this is yeah. before we don't get the huge flair luger rivalry that people watch consistently on wcw yet at this point this, right. this is kind of really the start of it well this was this was also luger's uh the the pinnacle of luger luger's superstardom in florida because right. he was huge in in florida and in that's florida, what yeah um, yeah. Because oh shoot, I'm trying to remember his uh, trainer. Oh, Luger's geez. Luger's trainer. Um, it was a uh, it was a Japanese uh, a well known Japanese name uh, who actually managed him in the er early days, and it's just 
totally escaping my mind. I'm gonna look this up. I'm looking it up. <laughs> Let's see who gets it first. Welcome to Looking Up Things on Google. This podcast brought to you by yeah. Google. Oh, by the way, I did. I did want to. How about that moment when he when he flexed on Ric Flair? Yes, that was great. <laughs> Uh, oh, Lex, Lex Luger's trainer was uh, Hiro Matsuda. Hiro Matsuda. See, I, uh, I, I okay. knew I had it. Uh, and, Bar- and Barry Windham. Yeah. I'm talking about Barry Windham. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite entrance songs of all time. I'm talking about Barry Windham. Woo. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, so Hiro Matsuda, I'm sure, is the guy you were thinking. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, as we like to do at the end of every WKIF Wrestling Network show, what did you learn about wrestling? Although you already knew it. What did you learn yes. about wrestling after watching this show, Steve Cotton? Uh, I mean, I learned that the great Muda was the ninja. The ninja. <laughs> I learned that, too. <laughs> that was uh, a cool thing. I mean, I recognized him as I was watching it, but I had to look it up. I was like, is that? That's Muda. But that was still pretty cool, and um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else I learned. I, I already knew that uh, your average wrestling fan in the U.S. was made to hate foreigners, and that was evident in the first three <laughs> yep. matches uh, by commentary and everything. So, yeah. So when you look back, on, when you look back on this now as a ring announcer for uh, arguably one of the best independent groups in the country. Do you sometimes go, God, we could do better than this? And this was on national television. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that we already have shows that we could probably put up against this. But in in the frame of, you know, you'd, you'd have to look at them. You'd have to show it to someone who has no clue who any of these people are. Because obviously, if a typical fan looks back and watches this, they're like, oh, my God, you have the young, great Muda. You have uh, the Road Warriors. You have Ric Flair and Lex Luger. And if you're really a deep wrestling fan, you know Nick Bockwinkle. So like Barry Windham. Barry Windham. Yeah. yeah. So you know if you have a wrestling fan look at this lineup and compare it to ours, they're obvious. Obviously, right. you've already got that bias instilled, and you're sure. going to be like, yeah, Battle of Belts three clearly is the better show. I mean, it's the NWA. Which right. is still in existence, right? So you're like, ah, oh, that's the better tier. But I, I feel like we have better. You know what? I know that we have better produced shows from a timing standpoint because I am on the, <laughs> I am on the production side of things. Because prior to shutdowns, we were doing live streaming. We were giving sure. uh, two and a half hour windows, and not only you know in 2000, I guess late 2018, and then all of 2019, I basically developed into for lack of better terms, a producer role. And we have earpieces there now. And people, when people watch closely, and I've told this story multiple times to people, but like I'm in the ring and I've got my earpiece and I also have a little thing to talk into so we can all communicate. Mm -hmm. I'm communicating with the guys that are running the live stream. Um, I create the video packages for AIW. Oh, very cool. I never knew that. Yeah, so when a match ends, I know exactly how long those... uh, videos are and the whole reason i uh that we started doing it is so that the viewing audience at home doesn't watch us sweeping out the ring if there's thumbtacks or a broken table or you know watching me climb into the ring or whatever the case would be Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So you have this 30 second to one minute video package that rolls out and plays. And I, I have a, such a feel for uh, all of our wrestlers that like, okay, I know when they're kind of done arguing or somebody's going to go in the back. And next thing you know, I'm, I say, okay, roll a video package, roll a video package. Right. Boom, that goes. Then we're in the ring, and when we're at the Odeon, our new venue in downtown Cleveland, the way it's set up, uh, our guys backstage, Gorilla, as wrestling fans would refer to it as, sure. uh, typically would have a camera and they have a monitor set up so that you could see and then play music. Well, right. the way our seating is set up as such, we can't do that anymore, the way everything is. So, guy comes out, first person, I introduce him as he's coming to the ring, blah, 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 blah does his thing, and then I'm in that microphone. Cue the next music. Cue the next music. And I am running all of that stuff. Wow. <laughs> and all of that's happening while I'm ring announcing and doing all of those things. You know, we have an intermission and I'm running back and forth or intermission yeah. and figuring things out. So there's there's so much to it and and there's so much communication that's happening as the show is happening because we know it's gotta be done in two and a half minutes. You know, there are guys that love doing long entrances and part of my communicating is going to them and the guy that plays the music, uh, having a feel knowing how far we are in the show and being like, hey, your entrance can't go long today. You know, you've got to do the short version of this entrance and or or we have enough time and it's like, hey man, uh, this crowd is going to eat it up. Do the long entrance. You know, let's, yeah. let's, let's do this. Let's eat some time and give these people what they really want to get them pumped. So, yeah, there's. <laughs> I know that we can do this in the time That's, frame. I was actually going to say that that I have seen indie shows on YouTube, and look, I love a lot of indie shows on YouTube, but they don't have professional television budgets. And I've seen indie shows on YouTube produced better than what we watched today. Um. Well, Steve, talk a little bit about because it's 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 so nice to have you with us, and thank yeah. you for joining us. Thank talk you so about, much. Talk yes. a little bit about some of the people you've had the opportunity to work with, because you know I'm I lived in Cleveland, and I remember the the Cleveland legacy of of independent pro wrestling. But the names that have come out of AIW are pretty amazing. Oh, I mean, it's incredible. You watch um, a, you know, WWE, Monday Night Raw, or Friday Night SmackDown, or the AEW, All Elite Wrestling on TNT right now, and it's virtually a, who, a who's who um, right. of people that, that's uh, really AIW is where they got their footing going. Uh, Kevin Owens was a guy who Ooh. still talks about AIW to this day when people ask him in interviews. Even on WWE programming, he attributes um, AIW to being where he fell in love with wrestling again. Nice. Um, Johnny Gargano, of course, is was is a guy that that uh, had put AIW on his back for a long time. Um, EC3, uh, Raymond Rowe, or uh, people know him now as Eric from the the Viking Raiders on Monday oh, Night Raw. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, Candice LeRae, Johnny's wife. Of course, she came through. Um, man, I'm trying to think. I I ring announced for, it was one of his last independent matches, and it was actually Raymond Rowe versus uh, Tommy End at the time, or as people know, Alistair Black. Uh, nice. So he came through. Uh, Mia Yim, who's on NXT, she used to wrestle for oh, us she's all great. the time. Um, Britt Baker from AEW, their huge star. Uh, MJF. You know the huge, huge heel there. We had the Young Bucks. Uh, I mean, I've had the opportunity to ring announce and meet Samoa Joe. 
I, it goes on and on. Corey Graves, nice. uh, Seth Rollins for crying out loud. Seth freaking Rollins really started within independent wrestling at AIW years and years ago. Um, Cesaro, like I said, it, <laughs> I go on. Over. It's amazing. It's, That's it's, how it's, I wanted to do it. Yeah. Some of those people I didn't even work with, but right. even just the, the list of people that I've worked with um, is incredible. You know, it, like I said, EC3 and. Uh, Chuck Taylor, who's one half of the best friends on... I love Chuck Taylor. <laughs> Chuck Taylor in EC3 uh, had a match the very first night that I ring announced at AIW, which was done as a last-minute thing because the ring announcer wasn't going to make it at the time, and that's right. what led me to becoming the full-time ring announcer. But um, they were one of my first matches, and EC3 always has been great to me. And um, I, I knew him already at that point, and I had to go home and change literally about... 30, 40 minutes before the show was going to start, uh, I was asked if I'd be willing to do it. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Went down the street to where I lived at the time, put on a suit, ran back. I didn't get to get anybody's intros or anything. And nobody else thought about getting it because they were all very busy with their stuff too. So <laughs> I, I at least had EC3 during that match was like, don't worry about the intros. I got you. Just pretend like you're going to do it, start it. So I did, and then he grabs a mic, does all their intros. Like, oh, thank goodness. But it was just great. Um, I'm like, yeah, I'm not looking at the roster, but all these, uh, I don't don't know, name somebody, I guess, and I could be like, yeah, sure, he was at AIW. (laughs) I think think of Mance Warner these days and and Tom 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 Lawler. Talk about somebody that is in AIW today that hasn't shown up on, on... uh, MLW or any of the shows that you think is going to be a big star and we're going to be talking about in a couple of years? Sure. So, well, first of all, let me say, if, if some people watch uh, NWA on YouTube, then a lot of people through that have fallen in love with Eddie Kingston that never had before. And, Absolutely, And yes. Eddie is a guy that's been around for 15 years and just has not... Uh, been on those mainstream shows like he should right. and even though I don't know where his career is going to go or what he's going to do he is somebody that absolutely should be on one of those before everything is said and done um, he is a a great friend of mine so some of that is I guess biased but uh, I just know that there's so much not only that he can offer to a viewing audience but what people can learn from him in terms of the younger wrestlers that, that go on those shows and still need a little bit more seasoning, you know, in, in terms of storytelling in a match or promos and just getting an audience to feel something. He's so good at yeah. uh, But through AIW, we have, um, we have a training school. So I honestly think that there are a ton of people. If you watch our stuff right now, um, the tag team wrestling is a big thing in AIW. And it, it's a very exciting thing when done right. In last year in 2019, one of the big feuds we had is this tag team of two infinity and beyond. And that's made up of uh, a guy named Cheech and a guy who some wrestling fans may know in Colin Delaney, who was on ECW when it was taken over by WWE years ago. And he was, right. he was only 19 years old maybe at the time. And these two, honestly, best tag team in all of wrestling and should be somewhere already. Um, 
But then they took on this young duo uh, called PME, the Philly Marino Experience. And those are two kids out of our school, Philly and Marino. And they are everything that is right and exciting about tag team wrestling. They are fun um, through their feud with Colin and Cheech. They've learned what it means to tell a story in the confines of a tag team match and or doing one long term. Um, Trey Lamar is the name of a guy who's out of our school and he really just started having matches uh man four years ago maybe at this point three or four years ago and slowly starting to get recognition but he is someone that's going to be so good you know he can't help but to kind of have this cockiness about him his that's swagger true. as that's he true. goes but um man he's 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 so good but he's also so willing to learn like the real person of him is so willing to do more things like we work on promo stuff all the time he and i and it's how can i do this so this makes sense and and i want to give this feel to it so he's very cognizant of wanting to again get that feel across and some of that quite frankly is being having been around a guy like eddie kingston uh he, he understands but he needs to know how does he get that point across um you know matt justice is our champion right now and that's a guy who was down at FCW when you were Xavier Woods and uh, Ryback and all these guys were there. Matt Justice was there too before it's NXT. And he was like, ah, this isn't for me. He left. And then he kind of fell in love with wrestling again, I don't know, five years ago or so. And he is someone that should be on somebody's television right now. Um, he just does a, a great job. And, oh, by the way, he, uh, managing him on AIW shows is, of course, Fonzie. Uh, nice. <laughs> so he, he's, got, he's got a very old-school ECW feel to him. He's great. That's cool. Um, and his big feud in 2019 is another guy, Josh Bishop. That's a name that's, that's, that's huge. Um, and I'm hoping he gets places. Uh, Dom Greeny actually runs. He tr- he's the head trainer at our school. He's now on MLW as you see with Tom Lawler. Um, so he's there. Uh, man, I don't know. I can go on and on. I love and, and all and of I, our guys. Like yeah, Nick Gage is someone I hope to see on television at some mm-hmm. point. Some things he does, has to be, they have to be scaled back for TV. Yeah. But he's still so good at what he does. Oh, yeah. You know, Steve, you're just, you're just being modest. Name some of those other guys that we all know. <laughs> well, uh, if you really love WWE... You will know AJ Styles and Adam Cole. Baby! Both, yes. Both of those guys uh, have wrestled at AIW. Adam Cole had uh, done it much more. I, I want to say there's a match somewhere that AJ Styles and Seth Rollins either teamed up or wrestled against each other at nice. AIW. Whoa. Yeah, nice. so that's that's pretty big time. Um, yeah. And Shayna Baszler, who's one of my favorite people ever, uh, people know oh, she's her. She's wonderful right now so she uh really started with us in fact the night that Shayna baszler won the aiw women's championship and she is currently still the aiw women's champion <laughs> uh, she won it from uh uh ruby riot was wrestling for us at the time and there that night at aiw from behind the curtain came uh, Ronda Rousey to help celebrate with Shayna Baszler and Jessamyn Duke, who is in NXT as well. So they, they made the trip. It was the night before a uh, huge UFC fight in Cleveland, and uh, they made a cross-country trip driving, and it was pretty cool. So, yeah, on an AIW DVD and show, 
ending the show is Shayna Baszler being held in Ronda Rousey's arms. <laughs> okay, um, I'm looking at the AIW website right now, uh-huh. AIWrestling.com, and I'm looking at the roster and going, oh yes, I have seen your show on YouTube. Because, <laughs> well, you know. So what I'm... you see on YouTube right now are either mm-hmm. single matches or really, really old shows. Right. But yeah. No, I, look, I'm a wrestling fan in 2020, which means indie shows come across my YouTube feed and I watch them if the matches seem interesting. For sure. Um, yeah. If, you know, if people want to watch good independent wrestling, um, a lot of our library is uh, at this website, independentwrestling.tv. Um, That's a great website. And they have an app, IWTV yeah. or whatever, and you can get it on... You could download the app for your smartphone. If you have a smart TV, you could watch it on there. And and they've got so many independent wrestling promotions, and you know guys that I named and guys that you do talk about like Mance, the Mance Warners, um, you know Eddie Kingston and and all these other guys are wrestling for other promotions as well, and those are can all be seen on IWTV. Like their library is is amazing, and that's the one where we live stream shows for now. So. Within the last year and a half, our shows on there are very tight. Like, we're talking two and a half, three hours. (laughs) So, Steve, where can we find you in the universe when the world comes back and you get to do a a little bartending stand-up and uh, even a game show or two? Yeah, I don't... You know, my big thing that I've been working on right now... uh, Well, two things. One, I took over the Cleveland Comedy Festival um, as, as the head. I really don't have details on that right now because of how everything is but uh my website is thestevegui.com and i always put a lot of stuff on there but my big project is a show called happy hour with steve guy which is on youtube and i just recently partnered with a uh smaller local production company called launchpad productions so if you look up happy hour with steve guy on youtube you will notice it has its own channel and there are eight episodes currently out and it will look like nobody's watched this yet. But I assure you they have. <laughs> and it's because it used to be on my own YouTube channel. But since partnering with this production company moving forward, we're like, all right, let's let's give it its own home. And so that's what we've done. So I've, I've just relaunched all eight episodes uh, on this brand new YouTube channel. And we'll be starting new episodes soon. And it's very much a laid back kind of talk slash variety show. Um, it's a lot of fun to do. I do interviews with people on there. Um, I've gotten the opportunity to interview Micah Hyde, who plays for the Buffalo Bills in the NFL. Uh, nice. He was a, a guest for me on there. Um, Chris Van Vliet, who a lot of people who yeah. are wrestling fans know, does all his sure. YouTube interviews. Yeah, He, li- he lives yeah. here in Cincinnati, apparently. He will be moving shortly, yes. Uh, he, he's been living in Cincinnati for his six months or so. Okay. Maybe. His interview with Jungle Boy Jack Perry on, on his channel is amazing. I'm just going to yeah. plug that. Chris, Chris is a guy mm-hmm. that um, I became great friends with when he was in Cleveland doing the news. Right. And, uh, in fact, help him move some things when he moved to Florida even. and but uh, So I got to have him on there because it's always fun to talk about stuff. Uh, there's a, a lot of good good things and people on there. Ryan Nemeth, he, whose brother is Dolph Ziggler in the WWE, but Ryan sure. was a very good, and still does at some point, uh, independent wrestler in his own right. But he has shifted gears and is doing 
things like film and uh, just entertainment in general. Um, and we got to talk about a movie that he's doing called Heal, and um, it's very much about wrestling. So, you know, I, I sat there and talked to him, but uh, there's also people do stand up on there. And the whole idea is, you know, basically, I am a bartender. So <laughs> it, this is just like a bartender having conversations with with people of note and the cool things that they're doing. And then we have I have um, some comics that come on and do uh, ongoing things that are basically like any person you would find at a happy hour. Uh, one of our guys is uh, we do a segment called. What's bothering John? And uh, he's a comedian in town. <laughs> he's a comedian in town, and his gimmick, his gimmick every time he comes on there is just bitching about something. Uh, so it's great. And then the other one is uh, Did You Know with Gregory Todd, and it's a it's a comedian friend of mine, and he comes on and he's just a, a dumb know it all who we all had met at a bar, right? Yeah. Like you're sitting there minding your own business, and then they want to talk to you just to tell you about all these facts that they have and then it turns out that none of them are accurate uh, <laughs> so that's this guy so there's a, you know a lot of fun things that we're able to do and these first uh seven eight episodes are very much socially distanced but um you know we're slowly getting back into being able to have those uh one-on-one -on -one conversations so that's very exciting and again it's called happy hour with steve guy but uh, uh it's also a podcast version of that, I guess I should say, which, so when I do the YouTube shows, the interviews are kind of shorter, but the podcast, uh, they are longer extended interviews, so you're like 20, 30 minute interviews at that point. Cool. Did I talk enough? Sorry, guys. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> it's great. Great stuff. Um, and as for us, you can find us on Twitter at WKIFpod. Uh, you can also... If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's MinimusMaxM um, on Twitter. That one is NSFW and 18+. Um, and my Twitter is still out there somewhere in the Twitterverse, uh, lost. I, I, th okay. I think it might have died when Craig Johnson died at the Sportatorium when it was torn down. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm still alive, but the Sportatorium <laughs> is not. And again... If you search for Greg Johnson, you will find a Meltzer tweet about him. Yes. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, you'll find a retweeted article from Meltzer. But um, all right. So until next time, what are we doing next time? We haven't decided we yet. We haven't decided yet, but uh, it'll be something yeah. awesome, I'm sure. I'm sure it will. Okay. Good night, everybody. Keep it kayfabe. Bye-bye.